Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Identical twins, Brian and Alfred Casacordo, grew up in a home shrouded in secrecy. There's something going on in that house that the neighbors have no business knowing. When their father's mysteriously murdered, the boys flee home. It takes a cold-blooded person to shoot someone while they're asleep. There must have been a Jekyll and a Hyde inside that house. But dark deeds seem to follow them wherever they go. You've never been to our apartment? No. Did you kill her? No. The police are finding that these twins are tough to crack. And it may be impossible to catch a killer when he has an identical twin. For all intents and purposes, identical twins are like clones. They had two suspects, one DNA. We could tell that he was just pure evil. Clearwater is a bustling Gulfside town just 20 miles to the west of Tampa Bay in Pinellas County, Florida. Clearwater, Tampa Bay area is a beautiful town with very great weather throughout the course of the year. It's rarely a bad day for an outdoor activity. Like most of Florida, it's the climate that draws crowds from the north. People just love to come to the Tampa Clearwater area just to have a good time. But a good time can turn bad 
in an instant. It's late in the afternoon, and 23-year-old Lori Colonino is chatting with her friend, Scott Kelly. Lori Colonino worked as a cocktail waitress and an aerobics instructor. She had applied that morning to paramedic school. She wanted to help people. She was a, a really vivacious, beautiful woman. One of those people that people were kind of attracted to. She had a lot of friends. She's on the phone with her friend Scott Kelly, and their conversation is interrupted when she cries out. Hello? Hello? The phone goes dead. Lori? Frantic with fear, Scott Kelly rushes to Lori's apartment complex. When he arrives, the door is locked, and Lori won't answer. Scott induced the manager to get the keys and open Lori's door. They open the door, and what they find it is just a horror story. Where are you? Oh, my God. Go 911! And she's lying face down in a pool of her own blood, stabbed 16 times in the, in the chest, in the neck. Her throat's been slit. Horrible. It's an unspeakable assault. And the level of violence points to a crime of passion. Police figured the killing was too brutal to be committed by a stranger, yet she didn't have any enemies. This senseless murder will lead investigators to a pair of identical twins who have been on the run from a past over a thousand miles away. Donora is a small town in the Rust Belt of Western Pennsylvania. It sits on the banks of the Monongahela River. Donora is 30 miles south of Pittsburgh, primarily a blue collar town, tough as nails, hard working, hard drinking. That's life in Donora. Donora's nickname is Home of the Champions. They're proud of their native sons who became sports stars, most notably St. Louis Cardinal baseball legend Stan Musial. But Donora is also home to another set of native sons, identical twins, Alfred and Brian Calzacorto. Along with three sisters, the boys were the children of police detective Alfred Calzacorto Sr. and his wife, Marianne. That whole family was good looking. Uh, the father, the mother, the, the girls, the boys, they, they were all good looking kids. Uh, they too were very congenial, very friendly. As is true of most identical twins, everyone treated Alfred and Brian as special uh, and told them how remarkable they were. That picture's got nothing on you! As boys, Alfred and Brian shared a tight bond, and they lived what seemed to be a picture-perfect all-American childhood. They played Little League. They uh, were in Boy Scouts. On Sunday, they were altar boys. Come on, Alfred, you got this one. Yeah, they were fantastic kids. Uh, we used to go and watch them play baseball. I mean, they were regular team players. Throughout their childhood, the bond between the twins remained solid. Yeah, Brian and Alfred, they were very close. They looked out for each other. Alfred, he looked out for his brother, Brian, more than Brian looked out for Alfred. Although identical in appearance, there were ways to tell them apart. Of course, they looked a lot alike. Green eyes, brown hair. But to know them, you could tell them apart. Alfred was the bright bulb, and Brian was the dim bulb. Alfred was just a little stronger mentally, 
stronger physically than, than Brian was. All right, come on, Brian. Get up. Alfred Jr. certainly seemed to take the reins over Brian in regard to his dominance, his taking control, his being the leader. That certainly seemed to be his role in this dyad. Of the two, it seemed Alfred Jr. took after his father, Alfred Sr., who was a pillar in the community. I thought Alfred Sr. was a fantastic guy. Uh, he smiled all the time out on the street. He was just great, very congenial. From all indications as a police officer, Alfred Sr. was well-respected, friendly, and very well-liked. Alfred Sr. took on random jobs around town, but his primary income came from working the night shift at the police department. When he came home from work and went to bed, there had to be utter silence in that house. But even when Alfred wasn't sleeping the day away, the Calzacordo household seemed a little too quiet. There was something a little bit off about the Calzacordo house. The twins' parents were not social at all. They didn't mingle with other kids' parents. They tried to keep the boys home. The other kids in their neighborhood, including myself, we were allowed on the property, but the strangest thing was we weren't allowed in the house. What's going on, guys? Uh, on, they would never give us water or any kind of drinks. That was uh, un uncalled for. Can't get some water? No, man. As the boys grew older, the twins began to push back against their father's strict rules. One night, we were all at a graduation party, and we was wondering where uh, Brian and Alfred was. All of a sudden, Brian and Alfred showed up. And, you know, they just said, well, we had to sneak out of the house so uh, Mom and Dad wouldn't know we left. It didn't take long for Alfred Sr. to figure out the boys were missing. What are you doing sneaking out? The Calzacordo parents came and got him and dragged him home. It was very embarrassing. It seemed Alfred Sr. controlled every aspect of the twins' lives. Whatever happened on the inside house, none of the neighborhood kids, we knew nothing about what was going on on the inside. But silence always draws attention, and rumors began to swirl that Albert Sr. had something to hide. That seems to be the overarching theme that Alfred Sr. was an abusive father. I'm out there 12, 14, 16 hours a day. He must have been a totally different person in that house. It's the only thing I can think of. Under the strict supervision of their father, the twins graduate from high school and attend a local college. Even after receiving their degrees, the boys continue to live at home. You are lucky no one's hiring. End of the week, you have a job or there's going to be trouble. Outgoing Alfred Jr. found steady work. But his quiet brother, Brian, loafed around the house. There was friction between Brian and his father. Brian had graduated from college, but had been unable or unwilling, perhaps, to find a job. And their father didn't hide his disdain. He was constantly talking about Brian not getting a job, and um, he told that to others. He started complaining how uh, uh, Brian just refuses to work, how he's a lazy bum. Brian wasn't even trying to find a job. Like, he didn't want to work. Well, isn't this a pretty picture? I did hear Alfred Sr. hollering at Brian. Every day I come home and I see the same thing, day in and day out. It seemed like they didn't have a good relationship together. 
But these father-son arguments would soon come to an unexpected end. Alfred Calzacorda Sr. had worked the night shift. He came home around 7 a.m. in the morning. He has a brief conversation with his son, Alfred. Then Alfred went to sleep. Alfred Sr. falls fast asleep, and he doesn't move from his bed the entire day. Ten hours after Alfred Sr. goes to sleep, his wife, Mary Ann, comes to wake him up for dinner. You want to get up? Dinner's ready. Honey? But Mary Ann is about to make a horrible discovery. Honey? Honey? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Alfred Jr. was downstairs. He heard his mother scream. He ran up to her, and there he saw his father in bed. And he doesn't wake up. He's dead in his bed. Police soon arrive at the house, and it's quickly surmised that Alfred Sr. died peacefully in his sleep. It looks like it's natural causes. There's a little bit of blood on the bedding and on his shirt, but it looks like he had a brain aneurysm. Out of respect for a fallen officer, the Denora police offered to remove the corpse and clean up the bedroom. The police department just called someone from the road crew with a pickup truck and said, hey, get rid of this stuff. They removed the bed, all the linens, they scrubbed the floor, they cleaned up everything, and they threw it over a hillside at the garbage dump here in Denora. But Alfred Sr.'s death isn't as simple as it seems. It isn't until the body is taken to the mortuary when the mortician discovers what, at first he thinks it's a pimple. Upon closer examination, he realizes that it's a bullet hole. The coroner comes, and during autopsy, they find a 32 slug in Alfred Sr.'s brain. Alfred Calzacorto Sr. didn't die in his sleep. He was murdered. And then the whole nature of the investigation changed. But so far, police can't find a murder weapon, and the crime scene has been compromised. Once all the evidence was removed, there's no way you can find the, the gunpowder uh, or the, uh, the, the residue on, on Alfred Sr.'s forehead, simply because he was already washed down. The crime scene was totally contaminated. Everything was wiped clean. Since Alfred Sr. never left his bed and no one entered the home, focus shifts to the family. The Calzacordos are under suspicion, and suddenly one of the twins vanishes. It, not only was it strange that he suddenly disappeared, it was strange that he never came back. This boy was gone. And the twin left behind isn't saying a word. They stood solid. Not a one of them were talking. There must have been a Jekyll and a Hyde inside that house. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Nothing is more personal or specific than our health and well-being. So it's really weird to me that most weight loss plans are one-size-fits-all. Noom, however, is different. Noom understands that every single person is unique, so they build personal plans to meet individual needs. I appreciate that Noom is designed this way, that it meets each person where they're at, and that its approach is based in psychology and biology. And not only that, this approach is grounded in science. Noom has published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about it. Noom also wants you to enjoy food so it doesn't restrict what you can eat or shame you for treating yourself. I actually overheard a conversation about Noom at my local cafe the other day. Both diners were talking about all these foods they've discovered that they really love thanks to recipes they found on the Noom app. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Identical twin brothers Brian and Alfred Calzacorto appeared to be all-American boys. They played Little League. They uh, were in Boy Scouts. On Sunday, they were altar boys. But their storybook childhood has come to a horrible end. The twins' father, Alfred Casacorto Sr., has been murdered in his bed. Oh, my God. Alfred! Police struggle to put the puzzle together. There's nothing amiss in the home, and there's no sign of forcible entry. So they start talking to the family members. Everyone in the family is under investigation, but one family member stands out. The night of the uh, the murder itself, everyone other than Brian was at the house. The, uh, the daughters were there, Alfred Jr. Brian left on the morning of his father's death. Not unusual in itself because his father's body hadn't been discovered yet. But when he hears about dad's death, he doesn't come home. Also discovered missing is Alfred Sr.'s personal weapon, a 32 caliber handgun. It's the precise make and model of the gun used to kill him. The police went back to the dump in search of the gun, but didn't find it. Nobody knows whatever happened to the gun. Suspicions rise even higher 
when Brian is a no-show at his father's funeral. Brian never came back for his father's funeral. Even though the family did tell investigators he was en route home to the funeral, he never showed up. Not only was it strange that he suddenly disappeared, it was strange that he never came back. Uh, th this boy was gone. In Brian's absence, police begin to investigate his movements immediately after his father's murder. Authorities discovered that on his way out of town, Brian grabbed his twin's ATM card, withdrew $200, and then tried to take out more money in quick succession, but the machine wouldn't give it to him. There was a credit card trail. It told me that the, the boy was scared and running. As the investigation heats up, Alfred Jr. and the rest of the family close ranks around the missing twin. With the death of Alfred Sr., Alfred Jr. in his dominant role as a twin now takes the dominant role within the family. And in doing that, he now has to enforce what appears to be the code of silence in regard to the possible behavior of Brian. He circled the wagons, if you will, in order to try to protect his brother. And the Casacorto's strange closeness is on full display. There's a certain quietness that neighbors had picked up that was perhaps odd, now became full-blown odd. And police realized that something was seriously wrong in this household. The Calzacordo family, they stood solid. Not a one of them were talking. Until a few days later, when missing twin Brian suddenly turns up. His father was buried on Saturday. The next day, on a Sunday, the police chief went to Mass. And lo and behold, there was Brian in church. He called state police, and Brian agreed to go to the state police barracks to be questioned. Now in custody, the police grilled Brian about his father's death. He was there for two and a half hours, but he never said anything, he refused to discuss how his father died. When police question Alfred Jr., he keeps quiet. That's what leads me to believe that there must have been a Jekyll and a Hyde inside that house. Uh, how he treated everybody outside the house was one way, but he must have been a totally different person in that house. Did you hurt your dad? Authorities simply don't have the vital evidence they need to catch the killer. I'd like to, but my attorney told me. The weapon was missing, the family was uncooperative, uh, the bloody sheets from the deathbed were destroyed. There just wasn't enough evidence. And the family, led by Alfred Jr., seems to have succeeded at protecting twin brother Brian. Identical twins oftentimes are very protective of their other twin because it's kind of like an extension of their own identity. So psychologically, there's more of a bond, more of a connection, and more reason to want to protect them. And with that, the murder case of Alfred Casacordo Sr. goes cold without a single conviction. With his father's murder hanging over his head, Brian Casacordo leaves Donora for good. Brian has fled. He's now in Florida. He's working as a shoe salesman, living alone in Pinellas County, Florida, near Tampa. Florida is a place when people need to get away from something, they frequently end up here. And Brian Casacordo needed to get away from something. Forever bound by birth, Alfred Jr. soon packs his bags and joins twin brother Brian in Tampa Bay. Alfred comes to live with him. For the time, they, they stay together in a guard apartment. 
Eventually, Alfred Jr. settles into Tampa Bay, while Brian finds an apartment complex on the other side of town. This is a big, sprawling apartment complex. Many, many units, hundreds of people live there. Although filled with potential new friends, Brian can't seem to connect with others. Brian living alone in the Tampa Clearwater area without his brother Alfred Jr. seems becoming increasingly impatient and restless and uh, unable to really formulate how he's supposed to conduct this new life of his. But when together, the brothers enjoy their newfound freedom in sunny Florida. Also enjoying the Florida sunshine is Brian's attractive neighbor, Lori Colonino. Lori Colonino worked as a cocktail waitress uh, and an aerobics instructor. Lori was, was beautiful. She was fit. Uh, she was funny and nice, and she was the kind of person that uh, men would like. Lori has many male admirers, and there's one in particular who will get her attention at any cost. Two days into the new year, Lori Colonino decides to make a change. She had higher goals in mind for her life, and she had applied that morning to paramedic school. She wanted to help people. And that afternoon, she leaves her apartment for a jog. Lori comes home from her run, leaves the door open so her cats can come in and out. But Lori has no idea she's just left the door open to unimaginable evil. And the Calzacordo twins will soon find themselves at the center of another mysterious murder. Did you tell me what happened on this date? I walked in and saw Lori, so I turned her over. I knew she was dead. Identical twin brothers Brian and Alfred Calzacordo have moved to Florida under suspicious circumstances. People come to Florida when they're in trouble, when they want to make a fresh start, so you can easily blend in and sort of disappear. Trouble seems to follow these identical brothers wherever they go, and leaving their past behind isn't so easy. Lori Colonino is back in her apartment after a vigorous run. Lori's usual routine involved going to the gym, doing aerobics, running. This was part of her health-minded lifestyle. You like that, don't you? Yes, you do. Lori was said to be a very attractive young lady who certainly had a lot of admirers, a lot of people who noticed her. Hey, Scott. Lori picks up the phone and calls her friend, Scott Kelly, to talk about her plans for the future. She's on the phone with her friend, Scott Kelly, and their conversation is interrupted when she cries out. Hello? The last thing Scott Kelly hears is another man's voice, and he worries that something horrible has happened. Lori? Lori? The assailant forces Lori to the floor, and they struggle. Scott calls her repeatedly, but his calls go unanswered. He's absolutely crazy out of his mind, with fear, worry. Lori fights for her life. Hi, this is Lori. I can't come to the phone right now. If you like, leave a message at the beep, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. See ya. And finally, it comes to a violent end. Scott 
just had a bad feeling that something was wrong here. He got into his car and uh, headed over to Lori's apartment. Scott arrives 40 minutes later and races up to her door. Lori! Lori? Lori? The door is locked, so he goes and gets a manager who opens the door for him, and they discover um, just a horrible scene. When he opens the door, Scott discovers his worst nightmare has just come true. They find Lori Colonino on the floor and dead. This was certainly a gruesome murder in that Lori was found strangled, multiple knife wounds, um, including her throat being slit. When the forensic investigators examine Lori's body, they make a grisly discovery. Police discover that in addition to being stabbed multiple times, Lori had also been brutally raped. One thing they find out is that Lori had a habit of leaving her door to the outside open so that her cat could come and go as it pleased. So they figure that somebody could have gotten into her apartment without having to break in. So far, there seem to be no witnesses. But this stealthy killer has made one big mistake. Investigators discovered that semen had been left on Lori's body, and that would become a critical piece of their investigation. Authorities have the DNA of the killer, and now they need to find a match. Police figured the killing was too brutal to be committed by a stranger, yet she didn't have any enemies. Police focused their investigation on the man closest to Lori Colonino. Any investigation is going to start with the person who discovered the body. You know, they're going to look at him really hard, and they did with Scott Kelly. Scott, could you tell me what happened on this date? I walked in, saw Lori, but I turned her over. But the time was all forward. I knew she was dead. In addition to Scott, Detectives investigate another man from Laurie's past. Laurie had a, an ex-boyfriend. Their relationship and, and their breakup had been somewhat contentious. The ex-boyfriend would call Laurie in the middle of the night and meow into the phone. He was someone that the investigators wanted to look at, too. Investigators know the semen holds the key to solving Laurie's murder. So they have both suspects submit a blood sample. In the early 1990s, it would often take months for detectives to get back results, sometimes even years. While they're awaiting lab tests and trying to solve this case, there's a, a killer on the loose. When the DNA results return five months later, detectives are stunned. It's impossible for either man to have been the killer. Even in the 1990s, the DNA testing technology was extremely powerful. It could easily point a finger to a given perpetrator. Now the two most logical suspects have been definitively crossed off the list. And with no other leads in the Colonino murder, the case goes cold. It's been four long years, and now armed with more detectives, the Pinellas County Sheriff's Department reopens the Colonino murder case. But this time, authorities decide to cast a wider net to catch Lori's killer. The plan by investigators was to lab test every male that lived in the apartment complex at the time of Lori's murder. 
Police go door to door collecting blood samples. So investigators get 170 blood samples from uh, males that lived in the apartment complex. And everybody was very cooperative with the police. Everybody except for one apartment. The police could never, no matter how many times they went there, they could never ever get somebody to answer the door. The mystery man lives directly across from the Colonino apartment. And police soon learn his name is Brian Calzacordo. The police were knocking at his door. They were leaving business cards, trying to get him to submit to this DNA test. When they run the background check, police learn of Brian's checkered past. Certainly when investigators found out that Brian Kelsicordo was a suspect in the murder of his own father, it got their attention. Brian Calzacordo quickly becomes their top suspect. But for an arrest, police will need his DNA. And once again, he's nowhere to be found. Brian is doing what's worked for him possibly in the past. He's doing what he, what's worked before. He takes off, he leaves, he tries to extricate himself from situations. He pawns some items and disappears. Without Brian's blood sample, the investigation stalls again until detectives catch an unlikely break. All of a sudden, they get a phone call, and it's Brian Kelsicordo's identical twin brother, and he is reporting that Brian is missing. I knocked on his door, didn't see his car, he didn't answer. So for the heck of it, I just turned the doorknob and the door opened. So I walked in, and I looked around, I thought it was peculiar, he wasn't there. So then that's when I started calling family members and reported it. Police now know that Brian Calzacordo has an identical twin. And as a twin, Alfred possesses precisely what they need to nail Brian for murder. So in this case, it seems that Brian and Alfred came from a single egg and thus have the same exact DNA sequence. For all intents and purposes, identical twins are like clones. Investigators realize that the same DNA exists inside his twin brother and so they want to get it. If they get a blood sample from Alfred, they can potentially make a match to the crime scene. But when police approach Alfred, they're stonewalled again. Alfred says, no, I'm not gonna give you a blood sample. Being identical twins, I know that we have the same DNA. Mm -hmm. You guys can link me to anything down here. I'll link you to what? Anything, <laughs> I don't know. Well, if you I mean, look, something to be linked to? No, I mean, look at OJ, I mean, who knows? It seems that no matter what the situation that occurs and what trouble or a bind that Brian gets in, Big Brother Alfred Jr. seems more than likely to come in and lend assistance. But when it comes to DNA, having one twin is like having both, and detectives grill Alfred about the murder. You've never seen her? No. There was a lot of media on that, and it was in the news. Did you see any of that? No. You've never been to her apartment? No. Did you kill her? No. Without Alfred's cooperation, there's not much hope of cracking the case, and they're forced to let him go. No, I'm not giving you my DNA. But just a few weeks later, police catch another lucky break. Brian is out on Clearwater Beach stealing valuables from beachgoers and gets captured. And so all of a sudden, the guy who investigators have been looking for for several weeks is in custody. 
And just like his brother, Brian refuses to provide a blood sample. We'd like to ask you for a sample of your DNA. I don't want to get involved. Why not? I don't want any part of this. Police say, we know why you're not giving a blood sample. We know that it's because you're guilty of murder. He says, no, it has nothing to do with my guilt. It's got to do with the fact that up in Pennsylvania, police thought that I killed my own dad. I don't trust the police anymore. The investigators are in a bind. They can't draw blood without permission. And once again, the Colonino murder case goes cold. Investigators know that they have identical twin brothers that effectively, uh, for the second time, managed to stonewall uh, a police homicide investigation. The Calzacordo twins seem untouchable, but one twin's luck is about to run out. When the courts rule in favor of a new evidence collecting technique, it puts the twins back in the spotlight. This time, police are gonna get a little bit more creative with what they do. Once you throw your trash away, the police can seize it. This is abandoned evidence. It's a treasure trove for the detective. But catching a killer twin isn't as simple as it seems. They had two suspects, one DNA. Identical twins Brian and Alfred Calzacorto have stood by each other during not just one, but two murder investigations. With both brothers refusing their DNA, the murder investigation of Lori Colanino goes cold for another seven years. A natural inclination for identical twins like Brian and Alfred Jr. is to rely upon that protection of each other as a natural instinct. It's like a defense mechanism. They, they respond that way at the signs of trouble. For 38 years, the Calzacordo twins have had each other's back, but time is not on their side. I, I don't want to be frank. The Colonino murder case has been in an impasse for over seven years, but the rapidly advancing science of DNA analysis might provide police a way to finally catch a killer twin. DNA technology evolved rapidly through the 1990s. We could perform DNA testing in many more places and types of specimens than we could in earlier days. Police no longer need to take a blood sample. They can get DNA from any cell in your body. And this time, investigators are determined to make an arrest. This time, police are going to get a little bit more creative with what they do. They set a trap for the Calzacordo twins. They stake out both apartments and wait for the twins to take out the trash. The courts have ruled that once you throw away your trash, it's no longer yours. It's in the public domain, and the police can seize it. When somebody spits out uh, chewing gum or puts their cigarette uh, in the trash can or in the ashtray, these are places that we can go for DNA. Emboldened by the new law, police make their move. From Brian's bag of trash, they collect a protective screen from an electric razor and several Marlboro cigarettes. From Alfred's trash, they get a disposable razor and a toothbrush. The twins unwittingly provide the very DNA sample they had both refused to give seven years earlier. This is all the evidence they need. Cigarettes, toothbrushes, razors are swimming with DNA. 
and the items are quickly sent for analysis. So testing in the early 90s took a long time, but by the early 2000s, it was much faster. We could do a test in one to two days. The entire case hinges on whether the DNA on the items retrieved from the trash bags match up with the semen on Lori. Without a match, the case may be dead forever. They send that to the Florida Department of uh, Law Enforcement lab, and boom, bingo. The DNA matches the semen found on Lori Colonino. Police are now certain the Calzacordo twin raped and killed Lori Colonino. The chances of this DNA matching another person is one in one quintillion, and that's a number with 18 zeros. So the chances that there's another person on Earth who has this DNA are slim to none. But they now have a new problem. Identical twins share identical DNA. The police, I'm sure, thought they had the case in the bag. They had it nailed down when, all of a sudden, now they have two suspects again. They thought that DNA was going to solve crimes easily, but here they had a, a unique case. They had two suspects, one DNA. Despite all their advances, the Colonino murder case may be back to square one. The Pinellas County Sheriff's Department detains and questions both of the Calzacordo twins. And it's clear that Brian is their primary suspect. I don't know her by name. He's the one that lived only 100 yards away from the uh, victim. He's the one who could see her door from his living room window. And he's the one who worked only a couple of blocks away. Brian was the one that left when the police officers were going around asking for, for DNA from everybody. Investigators think it's Brian. He lived in the same complex, he has no alibi, and he's a suspect in a previous murder. With the physical and circumstantial evidence they've accumulated, the detectives feel certain they have their killer twin. And prosecutors choose to indict Brian Casacordo for the crime. The case goes to the DA, and the DA says, we're going for the death penalty. Brian remains behind bars, but it doesn't mean he'll stay there. This trial was going to be a trial that was filled with a lot of surprises. Brian isn't going to take the fall on his own. His shared genetic identity means there may be a way out. And Alfred Jr. suddenly finds himself on trial. The defense contended that the police had the wrong twin brother. The famous Calzacorda loyalty is about to come undone, and one twin will be pitted against the other. We could tell that he was just pure evil. Advances in DNA science have linked the Calzacordo twins to the vicious rape and murder of Lori Colonino. It's been a long 11 years, and they uh, are hoping for a guilty verdict. But DNA may also provide a way for a killer twin to avoid a conviction. A very important part of this case is that if, indeed, the loyalties of these identical twins, Brian and Alfred Jr., remains together throughout the trial, DNA will be unable to separate the two of them as to who the murder culprit is. 
both brothers share identical DNA, providing each an alibi. This genetic connection will turn the Colonino murder trial into a circus. There was a sense of, among all of the jurors, that really this trial was going to be a trial that was filled with a lot of surprises. And they aren't disappointed. The trial judge immediately denies the prosecution a chance to present evidence about the mysterious murder of the twins' father. During the murder trial, Judge Brant Downey kept out testimony involving Brian's possible involvement in his father's shooting death, saying that this would be prejudicial. Alfred is the first twin called to the stand. For Alfred Jr. protecting his brother under any circumstance, under any situation, no matter how horrible his behavior was, may be far more important to him than losing him. And in a startling move, the defense team tries to pin the murder on Alfred. Brian's defense attorney grilled Alfred on the witness stand using innuendo to implicate Alfred in the murder. Alfred Calzacordo vehemently denies ever meeting Lori Colanino, let alone killing her. Alfred took the stand, and Alfred said he didn't do it. He said that he was a very respectable person. But Alfred's whereabouts on the day of the killing are under scrutiny. Alfred worked in Tampa, so the investigators went back to that workplace and said, can you provide records that would show that Alfred was at work on the day of the murders? And they said, those records have been destroyed. The defense suggests Alfred had ample time to commit the crime during a lunch break. He was only 20 miles away from the scene of the murder, so he could have committed the murder and could have gone back to his work and no one would have known the difference. This clever defense strategy pits one twin against the other. The defense was trying to create this element of doubt because there was actually two men that shared the same identical DNA. And when Brian finally testifies, he follows the defense's lead and blames his twin brother. All I'm saying is that we share the same DNA, and I didn't do it. Brian takes the stand and gives nearly identical testimony. Brian, in an effort to save himself, has actually accused his own brother with the possibility of him now being charged with first-degree murder. All I know is that there's one person who should... Using the twins' identical DNA, the defense team may have created doubt. But Brian still has one big problem. He simply did not have an alibi. And without an alibi, it put him really, in our minds, as a jury, in a huge disadvantage. With damning testimony pointing to both brothers, the jurors are left to pick one twin. But after some deliberation, it's clear they feel uneasy about Brian. Back in the jury room, all of us were picking up on the energy that he had. He didn't really have any expressions at all. He was very emotionless. We could tell that he was just pure evil. It takes less than five hours to deliver a verdict. The jury took no time at all to convict Brian of rape and first-degree murder. Brian, he was stone-faced when it happened. He, he took it well, but Alfred looked really ticked off, and Mom quietly wept. Judge Downey sentences Brian Calzacordo to life in prison for the murder of Lori Colanino. 
But the Calzacordo family remains staunchly supportive of Brian. To date, they cling yeah. to his side, even when all seems lost. So just, just work on getting that attorney so we can just get the ball rolling so we know something, something's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. All right, here's mommy again. Okay. We can't help but wonder if the Calzacordo family feels any remorse. I think they're all guilty. I, I think every one of them share the guilt for that girl's death. Every single one of them, from the wife on down. Brian and Alfred Jr. were drawn together by that same bond that identical twins seem to be drawn together by. That's a sense of undying loyalty to each other. Brian Calzacordo, to me, defines the image of what an evil twin is really all about. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Dan and Nancy reside in the peaceful suburbs just outside of Portland, where they are living out their golden years. Their marriage spans over two decades and is seen as a pillar of the community. But when Dan is found dead in his classroom, Nancy finds herself at the center of a murder case that could be ripped from the pages of her novels. Binge all episodes of Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>